Uh, all right, Hamish, I got a tape running right now. Before we get into uh, the meat and potatoes of what happens next, uh, your thoughts on what we witnessed uh, barely an hour ago? I think this was probably the most likely outcome of the negotiations. Uh, it always seemed like the Greens had more in common uh, with with the NDP. Uh, I think certainly Green and NDP supporters wanted this outcome uh, more than than any other arrangement that may have been reached. And and it seems at the end of the day. Uh, that the Greens just could not really um, envision the prospect of, of working uh, with, with the Liberals. It just seemed to be uh, too far beyond uh, their, their, where they were willing to go. So this was, uh, I think, the, the outcome we were expecting, but it's, uh, there's a long, many more chapters to be written before uh, we know how this is going to finally work out. Yeah, and let's get into that. So... Uh... Uh, they have this formal deal in place, and uh, there are some question marks about how we proceed here. I know from talking to you in the past, uh, the most logical one, Christy Clark goes to form government, throne speech gets voted down, and then we see what Judith Gishon does. Is there any other avenue in front of us right now? I think there are only two other possibilities. One is that Christy Clark um, sort of accepts the writing on the wall now uh, and goes to the lieutenant governor and says, look, it's clear that uh, I can't form government. I'm not going to get the confidence of the legislature. And looks like the Greens and the NDP have this arrangement. So you, I would advise that you ask them to form government. I don't think that's likely. It's not within Christy Clark's for keeping a personality uh, to throw in the towel. She, she's a fighter, and I think we'll, we'll go down uh, swinging. But before we get to the to the throne speech, we still have the tricky business of of choosing a speaker for the legislature. Usually, that's not an issue that we focus on uh, very much. But in this legislative configuration, where everything is so tight, uh, I don't think any of the parties really want to volunteer a person for this role. And the legislature may get stuck on that point uh, before they even get to a throne speech. And I don't think this has ever happened before in Canada. And that might be Christy Clark's pretext to go back to the lieutenant governor and said, you know, you have to dissolve the legislature. It's completely dysfunctional. So it's possible we don't even get to to the throne speech. Is there any, and it's been raised already today, I think, by Andrew Weaver himself, is there any, um, uh, I don't know, is there any prior precedence or any kind of legal avenue to have somebody who's not an elected MLA serve as speaker? Uh, no, the, the speaker is an elected member of the legislature, so it, it has to come from from within their their ranks. And uh, uh, the normal procedure is to have, um, the, <clears throat> while this process is being sorted out, the uh, either the previous speaker or the ser- member with longest service preside over the process of selecting a new speaker. And and usually this is this is a matter of of intrigue only to the members of the legislature and a few onlookers. But in this configuration, it's all important. Um, it's it's the difference between the NDP having a, and the Greens a majority or not having a majority, and so it's it's critically important. I'm not quite sure how we're going to get through it. Okay, and as far as the other kind of wild card in all this, Hamish, uh, I mean, we have to see what kind of tricks Christy Clark has up her sleeve, but uh, let's assume for the sake of argument here that we go on in some form or fashion and see an NDP Green government proceed. Uh, does that throw her leadership into enough dispute that that in itself buys uh, that government some kind of time as the Liberals sorted out or no? That depends on Christy Clark's sort of personal desires. Does she want to stay on uh, as leader uh, in these circumstances? Or does she um, want to uh, uh, to throw in in the towel? 
given the precariousness of the uh, of the configuration in the legislature, and no matter what Andrew Weaver and John Horgan say, that this is a four-year agreement, they have the thinnest of majorities to work with, um, that it's possible and indeed quite likely that the government will be defeated and brought down and elections could happen sooner uh, rather than later. And in those circumstances, the liberals might want to, to create Christy Clark in position. It sort of reminds me of the example of uh, back in 1979 when Joe Clark won a minority government and Pierre Trudeau announced that he was going to retire. Then the government was defeated on a confidence vote and Trudeau came back um, to lead the party and win a majority government in 1980. So uh, given that uh, if the liberals decide they want to have a leadership uh, selection race, then, then yes, the NDP and Greens have a couple of years to govern because the there's there's no opportunity to do that process more more quickly, um, but I think under the circumstances they'll probably want to keep Christy Clark in place in case of a quick election. Okay, and I guess my last question is: we avoided sort of the label of a coalition here, but we definitely have some kind of a deal that uh, its intent anyway is to last four years, seeing the Greens prop up the NDP on a confidence matter. Uh, do you see that that lasting four years, regardless of, of their initial plans now, or? It would be unprecedented uh, if it did last um, that long. Uh, when we had a similar sort of arrangement uh, in Ontario between the Liberals and the NDP, which had a much bigger margin of, of over the, the Conservatives, they had a 23 majority uh, seat majority over the Conservatives. That was designed to last for two years. Um, that's the normal shelf life of a minority government in Canada is 18 months to two years. Many are, of course, last less than that. The longest majority governments I'm aware of were Lester Pearson's two uh, minority governments, sorry, uh, were Lester Pearson's minority governments in the 1960s, which each lasted three years. And of course, Lester Pearson was a diplomat who won the Nobel Peace Prize. So it would be extraordinary for a minority government uh, to last for four four years, especially with such a, uh, a thin uh, majority with the support of the, uh, the Greens. It's, it's a really precarious governing situation. All right. And before I let you go, anything else that kind of jumps out at you about this uh, rather uh, interesting and slash historic situation we find ourselves in? It's hard to comment further on the actual agreement that we've got because they didn't release the details of it today. We'll see what the, the details um, uh, reveal uh, tomorrow. But just because they have uh, an agreement amongst themselves, uh, we're still a long way away from them actually forming a government. And I would note that back in 2008, uh, Stefan Dion and Jack Layton had a deal uh, to bring down Stephen Harper and form a government. And of course, that never came to pass uh, because um, uh, Stephen Harper went to the governor general and granted his right for a prorogation. So uh, we still have to see, first of all, the, the defeat of the government in the legislature, uh, and then um, the lieutenant governor has to agree to ask them to form a government rather than dissolving the election uh, legislature for another election. So just because they've got an agreement today, um, it's, it's just a chapter in this uh, longest election in B.C. history. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hamish, a few more chapters to go. Yeah. So, here's the big question: Should I build you an office here and put you on the payroll for the next few weeks? <laughs> I'd love to have an office in Kamloops. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm sure I'll be talking to you sooner rather than later. For sure. Look forward to it. Okay. Thanks, man.